Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, the word is out. They're gonna talk about the VOD and the silver screen. Tom and Joe know all there is to know From masterpieces to deep fried tacos And if the movie sucks, you might hear them say There's no telling where the guys will take you Get ready for a spoiler Won't say it twice cause we're already Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude, this is Real Spoilers, episode 689, Massive Unbearable Talent Stuff. Yeah, I think that's Does right. anybody even realize what this movie is, title is a parody of? No. Well, hold on. It sounds familiar. Every time I hear it, I know there's something. There was it. like uh, like some artsy-fartsy book that was turned into an artsy-fartsy movie like a, like. 35 years ago called the, unbear- the being earnest the unbearable lightness of being oh i thought it was the, something about being earnest well there's Isn't the it? importance of being earnest okay by oscar wilde maybe that's what it reminds yeah, me yeah but, but there's a there's... book called the unbear the unbearable lightness of being and that i'm okay. assuming that's what they're trying to make fun of huh. but or riff on i like the title though i i, I in their marketing did you see they shortened it they, they just started calling it massive talent which i get but yeah. like i love the title so much like i think that's an interesting title the yeah. unbearable weight of massive it, talent it I think is it's a great title it is a great title and yeah. then every trailer was like coming to theaters massive talent yeah. nick cajun massive it, talent so it, it was like a last minute adjustment yeah. Yeah. it was the a week before the movie started playing all the the internet trailers and and like pre-rolls had just massive talent right and i thought man i get it because like that's a mouthful and to talk to people about it okay but then i'm like i really like the real title yeah so. yeah the uh the book was from 68 and the movie was from 88 and oh, i i guess i remember because i would have been 18 when the movie came out but yeah. i just i remember because it was such a weird title mm-hmm. and so it always stuck in my head but yeah being like a like being like being yeah okay like I couldn't tell if it was a bean. So, yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. I was like, is Mr. Bean in this? Right. Yeah, the film portrays Czechoslovakic. Czechoslovakic? He's from Czechoslovakia. Oh, right. 
artistic <laughs> and intellectual life during the Prague Spring and the effect on the main characters of the communist repression that resulted from the Warsaw Pact invasion of Czechoslovakia. Oh, in so a light, lighthearted romantic yeah, comedy. So it's okay. yeah, it's everything everything America wants in a movie. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. So, but it, it but it starred Daniel Day Lewis and Juliette Binoche. Oh, it's a Daniel Day Lewis movie. Yeah, okay. uh, I mean, one of its first, presumably in '88. Yeah, wow, it's really early in. Okay, so according to this, it made seventeen million dollars on a ten million dollar budget, which for a movie about existential ennui in Czechoslovakia, like that seems pretty solid. Yeah, in the eighties, yeah, too, like adjusted for inflation. It, 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 I mean, there weren't as many art house movies back then, so like if you had a breakout art house hit, yeah, and I think art house movies overall did better because there were fewer. So you were just sure. like, well, we're gonna, I'm fancy. I've got. <laughs> I've got black rim glasses and, and elbow patch tweed elbow patches. I'm going to go see an art house Ex- movie. Excuse me, sir. Oh, hold on. Let me remove my pipe. Yes. One ticket for the fancy movie. Yes, precisely. <laughs> you had to order your uh, movie tickets with a French accent. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, well, we know that noise. I mean, I won't say it because I don't want to offend anyone, but we do know <laughs> the spelling and the, the history behind it. Behind. Oh, boy. Did somebody get mad about that? No, I, don't I don't know. I don't think people get mad about such no. weird. I just wanted stuff. to remind them in case they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. it's it's weird the stuff people get mad about. Uh, you're telling me. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I what, what did they get mad at Crystal about on on the clip out a couple weeks ago? But they got mad because just like some oh that just that they thought she was being too mean to Peloton because she was reporting on like the stock prices in the toilet. Meanwhile, on the same episode, the same episode. I told a story about showing my dog to a TSA agent and nobody said a word. (laughs) And I'm just like, I really thought that's what would draw the heat. No. But but no. You know, I mean, that's the thing I appreciate about the clip out, though, is that even though you guys are doing a show about Peloton and obviously Crystal loves Peloton and everything about it, I mean, she... There, I, there's no question her allegiance and her love for Peloton, but you're also reporting the news and you're not a biased podcast, right? Like if, yeah, if something's weird or, or, or the prices go up, like you're questioning that. You're not just blind faith. Like, like well, of course, price is up. Everything good. You right, know, support yeah. the company. It's like you're, you're questioning. You're like, I don't know. How do you guys feel about this? And yeah. I, I like that, that you're reporting it. I mean, you are not owned by Peloton. No. So you don't have to. We're not beholden to them. Yeah. And so, so we, we talk. We're, I mean, in a way, we're journalists who only cover one topic. Exactly. So, so if the price is down and you report it, I mean, that's you're just reporting the news. Yeah. And it's not like any of you guys want it to be down. No, right? you obviously want. Peloton no, we. To be I mean, successful. we own stock. I assure you, we do not want it to right. be down. Right. So <laughs> I know. So it is weird. I. That's one thing I find more and more with the internet. I don't know if it's because there's such easy communication. Yeah, because anybody can say anything, and yeah. so a lot of times it feels like you're getting yelled at no matter what you do. Like you could do the right. exact opposite, and someone's mad about it. Right. So because there's just so many people out there, right. and this is like. The other day, I posted something. Oh, it was about the Northman. I'll tell this story now since we're go listen to the Northman episode from last week. But I didn't mention this story. When I went to see the movie in the theater, I posted the picture that I sent you, Tom, yeah. before the movie of the Nicole Kidman ad. Right. And I thought it was funny because Nicole Kidman was actually in the movie. Right. I'm in an AMC theater watching an ad of Nicole Kidman in an AMC theater, and I'm watching a movie with Nicole Kidman. Right. So, right? Like, that's so meta. It's kind of like this movie. It's very meta in many la- layers, but yeah. it's just a silly tweet, right? 
it gets over 2000 likes. I'm like, well, that's cool. I got out of the movie and usually my tweets, like I'm going to see a movie, get 10 likes, cool, yeah. whatever. It's just fun. Social. Hey, has anyone seen this? I get out of the movie and it has like 50 likes. And I'm like, well, that is weird for one of these posts right. of, Hey, I'm going to see this movie. And then it kept climbing and climbing and it had like 200 likes. I sent to Tom, like, it's so funny how yeah. this works. I wake up 1000 likes and then later that day, 2000 likes. But anyway, so 2000 people liked it and people are commenting and they thought it was funny and clever and whatever. So it's great. And there's two comments on there. You're, you're part of the problem. This is why movie theaters suck. We turn off your phone and be respectful in a crowded theater of other people like 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 totally going off on me about this thing i'm like like, first off have you seen the box office for the northman i assure you (laughs) it was not crowded but yeah slow down okay first of all i'm very respectful of other people i'm the type of person where if someone has their phone on playing a game or checking something you know on a bright screen in the theater i tell them to turn it off i do not like that answering calls obviously a pet peeve i've talked about this remember i said i love going to the theater other people are the problem with the right. theater, not the theaters, right? Yeah. It's so, and it's the trailers, right? Uh, yeah. It's so, like, so okay. So, first point, I am respectful and love theater etiquette, and don't want people on their phones. Second of all, for over a year, an ad with Nicole Kidman has played after thirty minutes of AMC previews. Right. They play the same ad, right? So, if someone's going to play on their phone during the year-old Nicole Kidman ad, I don't care. So that's one thing. It's a preview, like you said. Second of all. I sit in the back row of the theater off to the side aisle seat every time I view, right? There was not even a person next to me. There wasn't a person directly in front of me, which that wouldn't really bother them anyway. Maybe, you know, but I I have my phone on brightness zero, blue light filter, and it's during a preview and I'm taking a picture of the screen. Yeah. Like, come on. So the thing is 2000 people liked it. 50 people shared it. Two bozos had negative comments. Right. So the, the thing is like, thousands of people saw it was harmless and knew i wasn't doing something disrespectful right but still two people have to have a screed about theater etiquette it's like come on i've gotten to the point where i'm just like i love when the theater's empty because i can like oh i can play on my phone yeah (laughs) and if no one's there fine i mean what's the yeah what's the problem but that's the thing is like i'm the last person obviously these people didn't know me but right but why do you make comments about people if you don't know them or understand their situation? Yeah. If you knew me, you knew I would never, with someone next to me, have my bright phone on and be playing games or taking pictures. Like, dude, it, it's just a quick thing before the movie starts. And yeah. It's dumb. It, it's, it is. But yeah. that's just one example of where, totally. like, you're going to have thousands of people, millions of people, theoretically, I mean, hypothetically, you know, millions, billions of people who, however, whatever your thing or your podcast or images reach, and they're all going to get it. And you've got someone where their brain is just wired to find the negative and everything. Totally. And they have to tell you how much better they are than you because I they wouldn't s- I do I see how much Crystal gets because she, I mean, she has, you know, 39, 40,000 Instagram wow. followers yeah. and, 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 uh, and I just see how much heat she takes sometimes for just the stupidest like stuff where you like you couldn't even guess that it was gonna right upset people because your mind isn't wired that way. Yeah, I mean, or people get mad at us for just reporting on something like when that the inst- the one of the instructors her wife is in a band and she oh the pee thing she peed on sure. somebody on stage and like we're just like this happened. Well, this has nothing to do with Peloton. I'm like, like, yeah, but the instructor, it's her wife or fiance. And and like she always does Instagram lives with her. They have like their own basically cooking show that they run on their Instagram channel. So like, no, she's very much entangled her life with this person like front facing. 
you but know? that's also how news works. If, right. if the spouse or the brother or someone, it doesn't matter the relation to someone famous that that is followed, or especially if you're reporting the news of an industry and their relative, whatever, has yeah. some affiliation, does something, it gets reported on. That's news. That's yeah. I mean, people, there are interested parties, and that's the other thing. People are on the internet with billions of other people, and they scroll past something, and they go, I don't want to hear this. Why would you show this? Well, it's like, Okay, keep scrolling. Right. You, we're not making news or products for one person. Yeah. It's, it's no one the, built the internet specifically for you. I think that's yeah. the strangest thing when people have to stop and comment about something that they don't like right. when they could just keep going because totally. that's what I do. There's thousands of things. I scroll, I scroll, and then I go, hey, this interests me. I'm going to leave a comment. I yeah. never go, that. I hate that. Let me leave a comment. Totally. To it's so weird, but uh, I don't. Uh, get anyway, we, uh, we should go around the table. Kevin. Tom. So uh, we switched days that we recorded this week, and somehow we think we forgot to tell Joe. So, <laughs> well, I think we told him and didn't confirm with him. But we didn't confirm. And then he forgot that we he told forgot, him. So, like, yeah, so it was a uh, so yeah, so, my bad. Yeah, I wanted to make sure I was on the show and accidentally yes. forgot to get Joe on the show. Whoops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, if you guys want to do another one tomorrow, it's fine. No, I don't. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> you have the day off tomorrow, Joe. I uh, when you're listening to this, yeah, a week from now, yeah, a week after, you don't have to come yeah, last you, Sunday. You didn't Saturday, have to yeah. show up on Sunday. So thanks. <laughs> So, uh, shameless plugs, uh, don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you find podcasts, you can find us. While you're there, uh, be sure and uh, leave us a review if you like us, and also follow us so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash realspoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group, uh, maybe share an episode on your social media channels. Uh, we greatly appreciate that, and we'll we'll read your name on the show if the privacy algorithms let me see your name so here are the people who were kind enough to share an episode last week lane levanway david rojas heather Sachs, julianne jordan ralph tribble librarian cynthia gabriel lugo tammy sherman powers christopher rex tom dowdy chris falls chris sanders chris magic man we had a, a chris triple mm. we haven't had one of those in a while uh, we have a hulk ronnie castle mike mike and oscar in session film g3 assemble geek to me radio binge movies ryan terry from the forza crowd podcast h Savernake, I hope I'm saying oh. that right. Invasion of the Remake, Minorities Report, Feel and Film, and Matt Naglia. So thank you very much for sharing an episode. We we greatly appreciate that. And finally, don't forget we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash real spoilers, where for five bucks a month you get all sorts of bonus content. Like right now they're pounding through the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre series. It's a funny show, man. I don't yeah. know what they're doing over there, but you but, know, it's it's Matt F. Bassler, yeah. so I mean yeah, yeah, no people seem to be people seem to really be digging it. So. It's it, I would I mean obviously we want you to support the show. That's why we say it every week. But you don't know what you're missing over here. You've got Joe and Matt going off for two hours about. They're usually doing like two or three movies at a time, so it's not just two hours on one movie. Right. But they talk about the movies and they go off on these tangents. Where if you think we have tangents, yeah, <laughs> these two the imagination runs wild over yeah. there. So uh, anyway, uh, there's all that. Let's uh, let's dig in, shall we? Yeah. So I don't know who's going to synopsize it because we don't have Joe. Why don't you try to do it? Oh, well, I have Wikipedia in front of me. So Perfect. I'll cheat. So uh, what? Hollywood actor Nicolas Cage is struggling with his career. Hmm. He's been passed over for several major film roles and is constantly pestered and tormented by Nikki, who appears to be him as his younger and more successful self. Do you? So do you know where they took that design from? Of, of his Nikki? look? 
of Nikki. Or the idea of it. Both. I mean, it kind of reminded me of True Romance with when Elvis is... but I can see that. Yeah, yeah, I think the, the method of presenting the yeah. characters like that. And I but, guess it's also kind of like, wasn't there a version of that in adaptation? Things like that happening? Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. I've, I've seen it. I haven't seen that for a long time. Yeah. I, I remember renting that from Blockbuster, and I was in high school, and I rented that, and I was just like... Huh, this is kind of weird. I liked Adaptation. It's Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, I need to watch it. And I yeah. like Charlie Kaufman, too. But I remember yeah. just renting it, not really understanding what I was getting into. Totally, yeah. So it was kind of like, huh. But, okay, so that the younger version of Nicolas Cage they wanted to do from, you know, a time period of his life where he was, you know, high energy, yeah. you know, hitting the scene. They show a lot of his movies and clips throughout the film. But so this is a very young Nicolas Cage that is kind of like the, the devil on his shoulder telling okay. him to do stuff. But so they modeled it after him in Wild at Heart, the okay. David Lynch movie. Gotcha. And he did an interview on a British talk show and came out dressed exactly like this. So they took the outfit from it was his okay. outfit that he appeared on the show. Leather jacket, black shirt with like a Wild at Heart flaming heart logo kind of thing. And the hair and everything looked just like it. So uh, he comes out and he does somersaults and kicks and punches the air. I mean, he is amped up to 11. Amped up or coked up? Well, I don't know, so I'll call it amped up. But he is <laughs> he is raring to go. And it's, it's a funny interview, but he comes out like that. And so his energy with his crazy manic yeah. energy, like more so than even his performances, he comes out and does this interview like that. And so if you want to get an insight into what like early 90s yeah. Nick Cage was like when he was talk on a talk show i'll try to share it on the the group with this post gotcha but, but that's it's exactly modeled from that and i thought they did a really good job of making yeah. it look like that yeah i mean you could definitely tell it was you know a little cg touch up yeah but um but it didn't look uncanny but, like when you like fully cg a character and there's something off like it it was him with with like yeah a, I mean, he i think because he performed it they just had to de-age yeah they just and, put the, and the de-aging was a little wonky but it didn't matter because it was also like it's supposed to be a fantasy character it's head, yeah so it's if they were really trying to show a flashback yeah. i think it would have been more jarring i mm-hmm. think you, your mind just gives it a little bit more latitude because yeah. it's it's supposed to be a fantasy and we know what Nicolas cage looked like right in the late 80s early 90s so. i think it's harder for them to get away with the de-aging on the people that that yeah. you know absolutely especially the the more like yeah. the the further back in time you try to take them you yeah. know i mean it's really it's not like it's not unlike actual plastic surgery if you're 50 and you try to look 40 you can you'll yeah. you'll do okay if you're 50 and you try to look 20 you're gonna look insane yeah so it's a problem for sure but yeah. so i i liked i liked how they pulled it off i thought it was good that he was performing like you said they didn't get someone else to do it uh and i thought that for what it was for the situation it really looked good the way they yeah. touched him up and had him you know and, and, he, and even his voice i don't know if they altered it digitally or something but you know older nick cage has a certain sound to him, right, right? and he, even when he goes high energy he just sounds older that's right. how it works totally and the way that they made him Not sound everyone has my ever youthful voice well right exactly <laughs> and uh also try uh tonal sure use promo code the clip out of checkout there it is yeah uh, so i but i like how they actually made him sound more energetic and youthful and everything yeah. so they did a really good job and it's just a small part throughout the movie to where when nick is struggling with making decisions about his career and all this crazy stuff that ends up happening in the movie like he'll pop in and give him that guidance yeah he has a strained relationship with his ex-wife and his daughter because they feel like all he ever has really focused on is his career because he takes it so 
so very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, is I it, this isn't really his his ex wife? No. Okay. So in real life, uh, it, yeah, this is a fictional ex wife, and then also he has two sons. Okay. So the, the it's a fictional family. I what I like about this movie is that you can tell there are things drawn from Nicholas Cage's real life. Clearly, I mean, not just the clips, but as far as like working so much, right. and then he's d- doing this commentary basically like on how can people like acting is my job. If you don't show up to work, you get in trouble. Like I'm working. I'm right. acting. Like when people are like, "Why are you taking these nothing movies?" Yeah, and he's just yeah, like. It, 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 you know, there. I do like the mentality that it kind of espouses, which is like, you know, maybe we take all this a little too seriously. Yeah. Like it's like, you know, it. He's he's a working actor, and not everything is going to be Con Air or Leaving Las Vegas in terms of the the platform sure. or reach of it. And he's he's going to work, and he's going to make his money, and sometimes he's going to make, you know, pig, and sometimes he's going to make. Yeah, I mean, sometimes he's going to make, you know, movies that really aren't radically different than the stuff we were making fun of Bruce Willis for until we found out he had aphasia. Yeah. So. um, But but I I think that I do really like how the movie lets him address that because this is a movie that he was hesitant to take for several years. And honestly, the irony, if he wasn't in the mode of taking of of taking these smaller movies to, to keep a steady income. He wouldn't have even looked at this movie. No, if he was still, if he was making ten or fifteen million for a big blockbuster movie, yeah. he wouldn't. I mean, this because it could potentially harm his brand, right? So right. if he was getting those huge paychecks, he wouldn't need it or even look at it. I'm not saying he needs it now, but you know, it would. Right. It would just. You're right. He would pass it up. But I like that they're not actually making fun of Nick Cage, right? right. So this movie is not mean spirited. No, uh, it is not trying to poke fun at his career, and it allows him to address some of these things, like taking so many movies and his family work balance and his energy and how much he gives to a picture. And so I like that he's able to address these things, and in a way that like it's it's the love of Nick Cage, not the yeah. critique of Nick Cage. Yeah, because in a lot of ways, um, like. Even when he's take he's been taking these smaller movies for the last what ten years or so, like everyone always comments about like he might be taking a a direct video movie or a borderline direct video movie, but he's he's not phoning it in. Like one no. of the things that people ragged on Bruce Willis for was he was phoning it right. in, and I I know that he has has aphasia and 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 he has health issues, but like. That dude was phoning it in but the long before yeah. that. Like you, you can maybe pin that pin some of those performances of the last five or six years on that. Yeah, but cop but, out and red two. We we've seen it. That yeah. was before. He has yeah. been notorious for phoning things sure. in for two decades. Right. So where it was like, I mean, even when Pulp Fiction came out, which is now you're looking at thirty years ago, there was still when you were going to a Bruce Willis movie, there was like, is this one he cares about? Yeah. Like you would try to cipher or decipher whether or not this is a movie he actually wanted to make or a movie that they just gave him enough money so he said yes. His career is so great. When you go back and look at his early stuff, it's really interesting that he took that turn. I mean, not to make this a Bruce Willis, but I get the comparison. And, yeah. and uh, you know, when you look at, at stuff like Moonlighting mm-hmm. and how much energy and charisma he has, and you look at Die Hard, and you look at yeah. the early movies and how great 
they are and his performance and his energy, there was a point where it's like he didn't want to be there. I mean, you know, you could tell right. when that energy changed. And that's the thing that you never got with Nick Cage. Right. Because even if it was a, a VOD movie, that dude showed up and gave the same Nicolas Cage performance, whether yeah. it was Gone in 60 Seconds or Leaving Las Vegas. It, Commitment. It, it, he, yeah. He's there, yeah, for the yeah. project. And I really love that about him. And I think that's why he's having this renaissance period because yeah. people didn't ever stop loving his commitment and his passion he's similar to michael kane in that regard i think the only difference is michael kane was never really a fully a-list actor like, okay I, you know like i don't feel like michael kane for as well known as he as he is and he certainly had starring roles i don't think anybody ever looked at like michael kane is like he can open a movie sure you know he's reliable if, yeah. if you if it's a michael kane movie or michael kane shows up in a movie like i was just thinking the other day of children of men he doesn't have a huge role in that no. but when he's there he as kills it. clive owen's dad or yeah whatever, i'm like he he's great in the role so right. you know that if he's there he's gonna i haven't seen jaws four or whatever <laughs> that he did like the one that he said paid for his summer house yeah. i never i don't know where they were like, yeah they asked him have you seen jaws <laughs> have you seen the movie and he says no but i've seen the house it paid for yeah yeah and <laughs> And that was when he was kind of having a moment and somebody threw a bunch of money at him and he took it, you know, because he was coming. He was probably if I'm getting the timeline right. He had just come out with Blame It on Rio, which was a really big hit. And and so he he did have kind of a box office appeal and in an open a movie kind of a way. Yeah. But it's a similar mentality of like he's like, I work. I'm going to take the work and sometimes it'll be great and sometimes it'll be less than and sometimes I'll be the star and sometimes I won't. Although Nicolas Cage seems to doesn't seem to take the the character size roles, but I wouldn't be surprised if he pivoted to that. You know, that's the thing. We see characters pop up like I'm trying to think, for example, this is just straight off the top of my head. I'm thinking of Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey was a guy who would obviously open a movie. He was what? Wasn't he one of the first actors to get like 20 or 30 million for a to get 20 million? 20 million. Okay, yeah, yeah. 20 million up front to start a movie. So they're. He is one of the biggest movie stars we've ever had. Obviously, more silly comedies, not Oscar-worthy type stuff, but whatever. But he's box done office that too, draw, right? Yeah, sure. Um, but then he started showing up after he stopped getting those roles, you know, and before doing like reboots of Dumb and Dumber or whatever, you know. But while he was like not really acting that much, he would show up in stuff like Kick Ass and be right. the, a side character, and he killed it in that role. I, yeah, it's, it's silly and goofy or whatever. But well, it's funny. Nick Cage was in Kick Ass too, so I just realized the connection there. Oh, was Jim Carrey was in the second one, but yeah, he, Nick Cage was Big Daddy in Kick Ass. Oh, that's right. Chloe it's Grace. Been so long since the, I've seen it. Yeah, the dad that like yeah. uh, dressed. He looks like Batman, basically. Right. Um, but but. Anyway, Anyway, like you know, he he show up and be this minor character. He wasn't playing the titular kick ass. He was playing this whatever bad guy or you know I can't even remember. But you know what I mean. But he gave it a hundred percent in his side roles. Right. Look at now Sonic Two. Mm-hmm. The movie's called Sonic, and I know Jim Carrey's all over it, of course. But it's like, yeah, he's the bad guy in a video game movie. But right. he crushes it. He is so good as Doctor Robotnik. Like as good as you would expect a villain in a video game adaptation to be. Like he puts a hundred percent on the screen shows up for it and so i think there is something to that to where if nick cage started taking those little side roles that are you know very well written but like they're high profile side yeah. roles, like instead of being the star of a 20 million dollar movie be a, 
a, more of a character part in a hundred billion dollar movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I really think that could be successful for him. I don't know that now if he needs it or that he would take that because now he's had this renaissance with there's movies like Willie's Wonderland, which was so fun. Such a great movie. If you haven't seen it, it's like a kind of an adaptation. It's not a official adaptation, but the kids, the kids these days, they like to play right. this game. Five nights at Freddy's. Five nights Are you Freddy, familiar yeah. with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My Sydney stepdaughter loves it. Yeah. Or she did. I think she's outgrown it, but there was okay. a period where, yeah. So it's like a haunted Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. basically. And so uh, you get locked in there. You're hired on as the security guard. And I think every game is pretty much a spin on that. And uh, you're there's all these security cameras. And sometimes you see the animatronics come to life and they'll like, go across the screen real quick. And you have to catch where they are and turn the lights on. But you're running out of power. So anyway, they make this movie called Willy's Wonderland. And it's very similar to that concept. And uh, <laughs> Nicolas Cage shows up and he doesn't talk in the movie. So it's a silent role but he's really cool he's got his sunglasses on he's crushing cans of energy drink sodas and like it's just cool it's he gets to play this cool man with no name type character uh, but he's trapped and he's just beating the crap out of animatronics that are trying to kill these kids that are also there you know so like it's a it's a really fun wacky role Um, but he got that and then for the critically acclaimed roles he had pig last year which was excellent which he says is his favorite performance of his and uh, i think a lot of people say it's his best i mean he's excellent in that role and mandy was really good mandy was crazy in the middle of all this he made some smaller films that like while they maybe tend a little bit more towards the schlock end of things. Yeah. It's really good schlock, yeah. right? And he and he elevates it even more. Because that's the thing, right? You're yeah. getting an actor that, I mean, even though he goes big in most of his movies, but right. he's still, his love of cinema, right? He's, I mean, he's grown up in a famous family of filmmakers. Right. Uh, you know, remember, he's Nicholas Coppola. Right. I don't know if everybody knows yeah, that. Yeah, that's but true. But yeah, like his last name is Coppola. Is, he's, yeah, he's Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. nephew. Yep. Yeah. He and, changed He changed his name because of, um, he loves comics. So Luke Cage and uh, there was another... Um, it might have been from a movie. I can't remember now, but he he liked these two different things, and the last name was Cage. So he's like, "Cool, I'll be Nick Cage." And he said he was doing Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and people wouldn't stop like because he's still credited as a Coppola in that movie, right? Yes, yeah. And when he was making that, people were like having jokes about Apocalypse Now and saying movie quotes, and he says, "I can't deal with this. I want a career. Like, I don't want to just be." Coppola's nephew right and so he changed it from that point on but anyway like he knows film he has a passion for it and so even when he's going big in these roles he's making choices like based on 1930s you know foreign films like he's right. he's like actually drawing inspiration from stuff that most people wouldn't even know but yeah. but there's a reason why he's making these choices and, and I think if he doesn't go the character route at some point that would probably be the reason why is because his performances are so big yeah they would really steal o- overshadow any scene he's in so it would yeah. like there are certain movies where you can have a, a smaller part come in and do that like kick ass sure but uh but on most movies like that's a little harder to pull yeah. off so. so so he so in this movie he's struggling it's very much like with real life with him taking all those small roles he's struggling with taking maybe too many of these and then there's roles that he wants but he's going too big for them and he's not right for the part there's this part in the beginning that he really wants to get He's just going for it. He wants it because he wants to get his career kind of back on track, and he ends up not getting the role. And and uh, his agent is Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. And so he's in a couple scenes. You don't see him much, but you know he's talking to him about this. He's like, "Yeah, sorry, man. I, I they just decided to go a different direction." But he said, "Hey, I've got this other thing: a birthday party." And now, of course, yeah. a big 
A-list movie star, at least at one point, one of the biggest stars in the world. He doesn't want to get paid to do a birthday party, but it's a million bucks. Right. So it's there in the back of his mind. He's having trouble at home with the, the ex-wife and kid. Uh, basically, the way it's presented is that growing up, he's shown his daughter all these obscure, you know, classic movies and stuff. Like when they sit down to watch a movie, it's, hey, watch this because you need to see it. Not what do you want to watch? Right. And so that's been the problem. And you can see it's it's uh, it caused trouble with his marriage and maybe part of why it's ended. He's always working. He's always trying to show people what he loves and isn't paying enough attention to others. So he's having trouble with his family and then he realizes like i need something i need to take this job so he calls him back and he says i'll take the million bucks and where do they end up going mallorca i'm not familiar it's an island in the mediterranean i think it's part of spain okay gotcha so so they end up flying him into there but he gets to be a part of this is where the movie go i don't want to say off the rails but i mean for the character things just go nuts from here because he shows up and then we see uh, Tiffany Haddish and Ike Barinholtz are CIA agents. And so it's like, what, what the hell is going on here? Now I didn't know the plot of this movie other than he was Nick Cage. So I'm like, this is going to be weird, whatever. But he gets thrown into this whole crazy cartel investigation. I feel like they had bigger roles that got cut. You think so? I do. Okay. Because I feel like they're both fairly big names. I mean, I don't know Ike Barinholtz. I love Ike Barinholtz, but I don't know that he's a big name per se, but he's a very, I think become pretty recognizable. Yeah. Well, they've done three or four things together now, which is really interesting. Tiffany yeah. Haddish and Ike Barinholtz. Yeah, because they were in The Oath, which the, he wrote and directed. So good. Which I love that movie so much. I was singing the praises of that movie because I, yeah. I happened to see a screener of it when it came out at, as it came out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this movie is amazing and people need to see it. And if you do the voodoo thing, it pops up for five bucks all the time and oh, it's yeah. totally worth it. It was so good. I remember I after I watched it and I think you told me about it, I watched it. I'm like, this is so good. And I tweeted it at Tiffany Haddish and I think she liked it and retweeted it. Yeah, I it tweeted and, when it came out and Ike Barinholtz liked it. You know, because awesome. I was like, this movie is not getting the attention it deserves. Right. It is so good. And that's the cool thing about Twitter. Why I really like it is that you can tell your followers that that trust your taste or at least kind of know, you know, if, if your tastes are similar and you can tell them about this stuff. And I like it when when the celebrities amplify it because right. you know it's just going to allow more people to see the project right and so anyway i loved that movie and then um they were in something else together i don't know if you remember what was after the oath but then they were uh both on the after party on apple yeah. tv plus so they're both in that and then now they're both in this so they, i mean they must just really enjoy working together it's funny I guess, for yeah, them it's, to show up because i wouldn't think that they get to f- fully control who they work no, with because it's not like this is an ike baron holtz or tiffany haddish right. movie so it's interesting yeah. and I, I wonder if it's just one of those things where they talk to one of them and they need this other character and they recommend them or something yeah I don't and they're know. they're good together you know they have this good chemistry not a right. romantic way but the banter of the partners off each other yeah um but another thing too to remember is this movie was filmed during covid like everybody with masks on on the set oh, was it okay. trying to navigate around that so i think the movie turned out really well for knowing all the restrictions they were under and one of the early movies to try to navigate how to make a movie right and i wonder if one of the reasons why they're not with nicholas cage and Pedro Pascal. I wonder if it's because of COVID restrictions and them needing to be kind of because even the two of them are pretty much on the phone the whole time. Yeah, I like, don't they're think they're not... filming together. Yeah. yeah, they're exactly so they're always like one like Tiffany Haddish is on the ground meeting Nick Cage as he lands there, and then Ike Barinholtz is in a truck or whatnot, and then. Tiffany Haddish is usually in the field or right. she's like pacing around a hotel room and he's somewhere else. So you're right. So I think some of that is a COVID restrictions thing. Gotcha. But, uh, but yeah, so um, what? So he's, they, they want him to investigate 
Javi, the 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 billionaire yeah. who Pedro Pascal, which right. is a really funny. I do really like when Nicolas Cage shows up and thinks that Javi's the driver, yeah. basically, and he's like talking with his agent and kind of bad mouth, like, "Who is this guy? How do we even know? Is he some crazy guy or whatever?" And, and then you know he ends up just saying these things, not super rude, but a little belligerent, right? Yeah. And then Javi's like, "I am Javi." Yeah. Hi. Well, yeah, because it's like, <laughs> who's ever willing to pay a million dollars just to hang out with Nick Cage? If you're Nick Cage, you're gonna be like, "This person's a." weirdo i mean it's just that you know they may be a very kind very nice normal person but the question in your head is like what, what do they really want well yeah yeah <laughs> so it is oh that's one of the funny things when he's on the phone with neil patrick harris he's like he's like is this guy gonna be trying to do sex stuff or yeah, whatever he gonna, <laughs> he's, he's gonna want me to have have sex with his wife or watch, watch while, while he has sex with his wife or watch me while i have sex yeah, yeah and, and i like that he kind of repeats all that you know out in the out in the open and he's like no, no i'm javi and and he's like Oh, okay. And he does the little bow thing. It's just, yeah. it's, it's so funny. This, this movie has a lot of little quirky body language type things and choices that Nick Cage makes. And I think Pedro Pascal is really funny as the kind of, kind of the straight man, you know, like yeah. he's a very funny and, and friendly character too. But playing off the manic energy of Nick Cage, even a, an energetic person themselves or charismatic person is kind of the straight man to Nicolas Cage because right. that's a whole different level. But this movie really reminded me of like a, a Buddy Road movie. You know, I'm oh, like, yeah. I'm like, I want these two to be the new Hope and Crosby. <laughs> Seriously, I had so much fun when these two started being friends and on these wacky adventures. I'm like, put them in more situations like this. I yeah. don't know. How did that play to you being a fan of those type of movies? I, I like this movie. I wish it was funnier like yeah. i like i didn't feel like it it had a funny premise and funny and like and there 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 were comedic situations but i didn't feel like there were as many true jokes as there could have been yeah. do you think they tried to play it too straight i don't know like i i just wish that maybe someone had made a pass just punching it up with actual like jokes Joked, on right. the way along the way because sure. there were funny moments and uh you know i i mean like i like ike barinholtz line which is in the trailer where where she's like you know trying to define nicholas cage and he it says uh, he was in the crudes and he's like no i haven't seen the crudes that I'm, was hilarious I'm 45 years old I, I I like how he kept bringing it up. Like after yeah. that, he's like, "Crudes, why would I have seen the Crudes too?" Yeah. I, he is. I mean, his delivery. Ike Barinholtz has that say, that crazy energy when he's yeah. like just angry and it's totally it's and, so funny. And so I just I I feel like it it needed more actual jokes along the yeah. way to augment those comedic situations. Okay. And so um, I overall, think, I liked the movie. I just didn't walk out of it loving it in the way I thought I would based on the premise. Sure. I think a lot of this was trying to find a balance between really funny moments and kind of, I don't want to say poking fun at, but to look at Nick Cage's roles and how over the top they are and yeah. also why we love them. Right. But then also have it be serious enough and interesting enough for Nick Cage to take this on. Right. right. And so I think that they had a really tough time and hats off to them for balancing it and making it as good as it is because, you know, he didn't want to do this movie and they had to prove to him like, no, this is this is this uh, is this is in this is not mean spirited. Exactly. But yeah. also like there's a really good self discovery with the character. Like 
he starts off the movie as the Nick Cage that we know, or at least we think we know the public right. Nick Cage. And then he ends up realizing that there's more to life than just work and that, you know, family and, and all that that he discovers along the way and friendship, of course, with, with the Javi character. So I think they did a good job of that. Um, I agree. It wasn't as crazy as I thought it was going to be, right? but it's because of the dramatic through line that carries throughout the film, which I also appreciated because there's a lot of heart with it. And um, knowing that this is a real guy, right? Like this is Nick Cage playing himself and it's not a parody. So, you know, I, I felt it like him talking about taking roles and him uh, being distant from his family and working all the time and stuff. I'm like, I bet you that's pretty much yeah. real. And he's, I always wonder how that is for an actor in a movie where they play themselves when, yeah. it, when it, you know, touches close you know, to home. It's, it's interesting. I wonder if that was kind of a wink with Neil Patrick Harris because, I mean, there's an actor who jump-started his career by playing himself, yeah. you know, or heightened version of himself sure. in, in Harold and Kumar. Right? Yeah, that's like true. That, that is what led to How I Met Your Mother, which led to just, you know, people, Everything, f- people yeah. finally not seeing him as Doogie Howser, Doogie right? Hauser, like now yeah. in, when he when he dies, his obituary will not say Doogie Howser in the first sentence. It'll say Barney, Barney Stinson. Stinson yeah. yeah. No, that's a great point. I really wonder if there was a, a, a choice for getting Neil Patrick Harris to be the agent yeah. like that because it is it is a very similar type of trajectory as far as like someone playing themselves. And But but I really appreciated all that stuff uh, in, in the writing though about Nick Cage. Like So I, I liked the dramatic stuff but that also meant it took away from the zaniness of right. them being uh, in, in the mix uh, undercover as a CIA agent uh, investigating the cartel because that's what we eventually get into. Right. Um, the whole time, uh, you know, Nick Cage just thinks he's there for a birthday party and uh, we're not so sure about Javi. Javi says that he's his biggest fan and he shows that he's collecting things, whether it's um, uh, different signed autographs or movie props. He's got the chainsaw from Mandy. Right. He's got a, a life-size figure or statue of um, face-off and he's holding the golden guns, like exact replicas, if right. not somehow the actual ones. Um, you know, So he's a hardcore collector. So you know right off the bat, like, okay, this guy really does like Nick Cage. It's not just a front. Right. But once the CIA gets involved and they start telling Nick Cage that, no, this guy is has this huge drug operation you start to question like well what's really going on here but come to find out spoilers it's his cousin that runs the operation i guess that uh, their parents were involved in starting this cartel and then once the the head of the family died it ended up going to the cousin and uh, the cousin is giving him money to start his own business which is it a winery is it a vineyard Something like that. Okay, so yeah. Javi runs what seems to be a pretty legitimate. Like he runs the legitimate end of things, and, yeah. and is and and basically they let people think he's a drug lord because it draws the attention from the actual drug lord, yeah. but he isn't actually doing anything illegal or bad yeah so at the end of the day this whole question like the whole second act is nick cage trying to get information for the cia and tiptoe around saying anything that would reveal that he knows or thinks that javi's a bad guy and And he's conflicted because the cia is like this guy's a drug dealer and, and and runs a cartel and we need to take him down and he wants to do the right thing if he's a drug dealer but he's also conflicted because the javi he's interacting with does not exude any evidence of being anything like that right and so he's he's also conflicted because he genuinely likes the dude and and he seems like a nice guy but then you have this very reputable source telling him that he's the exact opposite exactly so there that conflict i really like and the the thing with with javi they they form this instant friendship because 
you know, first they're there on this business proposition, uh, but Nick Cage is in a rut. He's he's really sad about his career. He's not getting the roles he wants. He's getting rejected. He's got problems with the family. So he shows up kind of as a last resort and decides, I'm going to take this job and I'm going to retire from acting. But Javi is like super fan and another reason why he wants to get him there is to read the script he has written right javi has written a script and he wants nick cage to star in it and he's like you can't retire from acting and you know the world needs you and all this stuff but he also wants to work on him with this movie and so he sees that nick cage is not the person he expected he shows up he's sitting by the pool drinking his life away like he he jumps into the pool which i think is is that a leaving las vegas scene he recreates a scene where he jumps in a pool Oh, is that from Leaving Las Vegas? Because it's also like it's very reminiscent of The Graduate. Oh, okay, sure. But yeah, yeah, I think he does that in Leaving Las Vegas. I haven't seen Leaving... The last time I saw Leaving Las Vegas, it was on VHS. Okay. So it's been a bit. (laughs) There you go. So he's getting drunk and and Javi's trying to talk to him about movies and stuff and Nick just doesn't care and he walks off into the pool. Javi jumps in and kind of saves him out of there. Uh, The next day he wakes up very hungover and Javi's assistant... Uh, love interest slash they can't be together because she'd be a target for the for the cartel uh she gets him out of bed and she's like you know this guy paid a million dollars for you to be here if javi wants to take you to see the hills or whatever he wants to do you are going to be excited about it which is another really funny moment because it it flash cuts to them in the car and javi goes oh she told me you're really excited to go see the (laughs) hill like like clearly he's disinterested but the way it's written is very funny and he's like oh yeah i can't wait um but he's just down 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 until javi takes him to this cliff and he breaks into this like um performance i don't know if it's out of his script but javi knows that he needs to get the nick cage that that he knows and loves out and he pretends they're in this scene being chased from a movie which i'm sure he's drawing a little bit from the cartel stuff around him but he just makes up this thing like they're gonna get us we're gonna die if we don't escape and so they end up jumping off of a cliff and they fall down a pretty long way yeah they come up for the water like I didn't know it was that deep. Are you? Like, that was crazy. But from that moment on, they're like two peas in a pod. Yeah. Best friends. They're going all around the town. They're going into town having drinks. Um, it's really funny. Uh, what do they they do? Acid. Yeah, they do LSD. They, they do LSD. Yeah. Uh, and so they're going around the town and they're they're paranoid. They think people are following them. Uh, and then at this point, he knows about the CIA, right? So I think Nick Cage is actually like he knows there might be people following them. Yeah, because that's when he when when they're on acid is when he shows him the room with all his Nick Cage yeah. memorabilia because like there's this the subplot which oh is, the way it opens is, that, the, the cold girl, open. this girl who's the, what the president's daughter of this country is abducted and they by the cartel so you they the the CIA thinks that Javi has her right and so they think she's in this certain room that he won't let anybody in and it ends up being the room with all his memorabilia yeah. and he's embarrassed to show it to Nicholas Cage because he's like oh I'm gonna be such a fanboy and Nick Cage thinks he doesn't want to show it to him because, because it will the, reveal he's because the girls in there so yeah. a lot of this I mean this movie did decent I think it opened to like around 10 million dollars but yeah. obviously a lot of people listening won't have seen it so you really should watch it. It's worth a watch. And what we're revealing is a lot of the, the fun of watching it, trying to figure out yourself. Is right. Javi a bad guy? Is he not? But it's really fun how you know kind of the mindset of both characters and what they're thinking, but they don't know what the truth is with each other. So yeah. they keep getting into these situations. But anyway, they see like two old guys eating ice cream and they're paranoid that they're following them. And they're clearly just two old guys. Right. <laughs> but they're like, 
but maybe they are, you know? So that's where you, they run away. And I did catch the trailer before a movie. I saw the thing with like them trying to get over a wall right? and like, I won't leave you go, go without me. And, and then he pops out the other side, like, Oh, we could have just walked around, but it's a funny moment. Yeah. And they're trying to escape those two old guys who are clearly no, threat. they have no interest in them whatsoever, <laughs> but you know, but they keep referencing things. So like in, in the movie, he's watching clips from what's the movie. Is it, is the Las Vegas movie? What's the one with the or no? Um, is it Con Air with the little girl? Is that the one where that clip is? Joe would know this. I think that's. Con Air. I think it's Con Air with the yeah. little girl. But they show that, and I think they show leaving Las Vegas. They show clips throughout the whole thing. But then uh, Javi, I think, asks him about Gone in sixty seconds. Did you do your own stunt driving? And he really did. And so he says yes. Uh, and then later on, when they're on acid, he's like, "You got to drive and get us away from these guys." So. Nick Cage is like, I, I can't drive on ass. He's like, you're going to have to. So he's ridiculously driving away and all this stuff. So they go on all these wacky adventures and it's just, it's ridiculous and big. And I think that's what people expected the whole thing to be. Right. Which is why it, it's not a bad thing to me necessarily, but it's not as crazy as it could have been if the whole thing was just ridiculous like right. that. Um, but you do get those moments that are really fun. And uh, then you're eventually, we do find out that it's the cousin, right? So they go through all these conflicts and, and uh, Javi isn't turning out to be a bad guy. And, and Nick Cage is conflicted because the CIA is telling him this little girl is going to die. And it's because uh, the president is probably like tough on drugs in the cartel and they don't want him to run for reelection. Yeah. So they kidnap the daughter and say, unless you drop out of the, the reelection or out of the race, uh, you know, we're going to kill her. So it, the clock is running because the election's coming up. And so the CIA is like, you have to take him out. And they eventually say, you have to kill Javi because if you don't kill Javi, he's going to just, do some bad stuff right? right and so he's faced with like this guy that they've become instant best friends and he doesn't see he's trying to tell them like i don't think it's javi there's nothing here that proves this to me and tiffany haddish is like kill him so it's crazy they're in this situation meanwhile the cousin tells javi he's working for the cia and javi's like what? nicholas cage working for the that doesn't make any sense yeah um, but he's like yeah they they know stuff he's working for them so you need to kill him so you get into this ridiculous situation where neither of these guys would ever do anything like this. Javi's not really in the cartel. Nicholas Cage is an actor. But now each of them is tasked with killing one another, which is just nuts. So, But it it's kind of funny the way that they walk. Uh, it's shot like there's a wide shot and they come from either side of the screen, face each other, and they're like, hey... You know, they did a thing in movies like, hey, where they each know something's up, you know, you go first. And they, they walk to a car and they drive off together. But each of them, they were laid over the shoes, right? That's the thing. Like, Yeah, they, 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 they each end up wearing the other one's shoes. And yeah. they're like, you want to just switch? And see, that's the thing I love about this movie and why I say I want more of these buddy movies with these two guys. Because I enjoyed this stuff so much, even more than the CIA plot. Like, I could have done without that. I know that it drives the story. I understand. Right. But that's, yeah, it's the, that's the, if, if not for that, there would be virtually no plot. No conflict. That's yeah. the conflict. But, but I'm, what I'm saying is like, maybe make a different plot because I enjoyed so much the buddy part of it and yeah. why I would love to just see these two guys going off on wacky I think they adventures. were trying to come up with a device that would allow Nicolas Cage to still have a, f a few action Fact. scenes to and, see. Cause and, I mean, yeah. really at, at, at the end when they, when they figure out they're on the same side and they're in yeah, act three is action. Yeah. And, and you get to, it's kind of like hot fuzz mm -hmm. in, in that, you know, hot fuzz. He, he spends the first two thirds of the movie saying how all these things you yeah. see in action movies are utterly ridiculous. And then they in, do them all. And the then third. in the third act, <laughs> yeah. like he ends up as a police officer having to do every single that's, one of them. Yeah, that's and, a good point. And, uh, 
and so they, they don't necessarily set it up in quite the same way, but like Nicholas Cage. But they do. They, but you're right. It is very self-referential because th- when they're talking about Javi's movie script, they're, they, it's meta in the way that they talk about it because the movie script and the ideas they're talking about are the movie we're watching. Yeah. Like they don't know it and right. it's not look at the camera type of wink, but we as the audience know they're actually describing this movie because they say like, oh, two people that, what do they say? They're like, whatever they do, they're describing. And he's like, I hate movies. Nick Cage says, I hate movies that do this, that, or the other, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But he's describing. And then the action stuff, he actually says, like, I don't want to do a whole bunch of just action and guns in this. But then in the third act, they do what he right. says he didn't want to do. So I think maybe they pulled yeah. a little inspiration. And, yeah. Him. And so he ends up using what he knows from action movies yeah. to save the day because he ends up, you know, when they have this conflict at the end with getting the the girl back and then they end up abducting his his daughter cuz cuz Javi brings his family which is obviously such a ridiculous yeah. plot point you know i mean it works fine in the movie but i like- think i like how it works because it it like it causes Nicolas Cage to suspect that Javi is a drug dealer mm-hmm. because he's saying he i'm bringing your family here because you need to mend ties with your family but like it's like leverage. But Nicolas Cage I'm, sees it as like, or did you bring them here to to yeah to threaten to, ha- to threaten yeah. me as a as you know? No, as, it works fine for that. I just yeah. mean like in the real world. Like I mean, this guy is, is a multimillionaire, and he got Nick Cage there for a birthday party type thing. So you can suspend your disbelief. You can say like this guy gets stuff done. But right. the fact that he got this guy is is out of the country doing this birthday party, and he got his ex wife and right. kid to pick up and go there without really knowing why they're there, right? You know, so it's a little far fetched, but I do like the way it works with the plot. Yeah. Uh, but when they have this showdown where they each think they're going to kill each other, uh, and they obviously really don't want to, but Javi pulls out a gun, and then Nick Cage pulls out his two golden guns from Face Off, which is so ridiculous. He's like, <laughs> Javi goes, "Are those my golden guns?" And Nick Cage's like, "No, these are my golden yeah. guns," <laughs> and they also. I love that they mentioned again in a very self-referential way when Javi shows him these guns and the character and everything. He says like, "Yeah, and they're really loaded too." Like, it's yeah. ridiculous. As soon as they that say they that, would, I'm like, "Okay, so these are going to be used." Yeah. But it's so funny because you're like, "Yeah, of course they're on display. They're not real guns." They make sure to mention, "Yeah, these are loaded, real working right. guns." <laughs> but anyway, so they they realize like what's going on, and Nick Cage is like, "I I don't want to." I don't I know you're not bad or whatever and and Javi's like yeah it's my cousin we got to get out of here and so then the action starts and the whole third act is the cartel coming after them there's chase sequences on motorcycles they're chasing the jeep or whatever it is going down the street of the city I like how Nicolas Cage actually like the motorcycle guy pulls up and Nick Cage like takes his helmet off and hits him with it or something there's some cool action sequences in the movie and uh, so they're trying to escape from them Uh, they end up their way to get the daughter is that uh, the ex-wife is, I guess, a makeup artist. That's how they met in this fictional yeah. world is on the set of one of his movies. And so she dresses up Nick Cage as like some Russian mobster like that. type guy. Yeah. And so, uh, again, a ridiculous premise. But he's got like the fake nose and long hair and the hairy chest with the tracksuit open. You know, stereotypical like John Wick bad guy. Look, right. You know. But he's he's supposed to be coming in for a meeting with with the cousin, and so he shows up and and is people. There's like a henchman that isn't so sure of him, like he knows something's up. Uh, but anyway, so they they get in there and they go to the daughter and end up getting caught, and they have this standoff and everything. But, but anyway, everyone gets out basically. Nick Cage kind of stays behind to save the day and sacrifices himself. But Javi is like, I can't let this guy die. So Javi busts into where the guys are holding Nicolas Cage at gunpoint, starts shooting people. Nick Cage goes and gets a gun and is shooting people. Like 
it's ridiculous. These yeah. guys are going through tearing up everybody. They escape, and then the final. So as the as you're seeing him like win the day, and he's saving the daughter as, as his own daughter. As he saves his daughter, it cuts to like a different woman playing his daughter. Oh. and then it pulls back, and we see that we're watching the last scene of the movie they ended up making right so the movie they're trying to make the movie javi wrote was different but because of this experience and because of them workshopping it and going on this crazy adventure they actually rewrote it into the movie so this movie is like based on their true events yeah and it's a huge premiere the people are clapping um i will say the the cousin at this point in the movie within a movie that you said the cousin chases them all the way to i guess it's the u.s embassy in the country that they are uh and so everyone's got guns on them and he's got does he have the ex-wife or the daughter i can't remember he's got one of them at gunpoint yeah because that's the final scene i was talking about takes place right outside the u.s embassy because they're trying to get to the u.s embassy because then obviously that's like base and a game yeah. tag you know? um, but but the thing i wanted to mention is this really badass part and it's completely unbelievable and ridiculous but it works because it's a movie within a movie so i don't think we actually see how it happens unless we're supposed to believe nick cage really did this thing but there's Chekhov's knife in the back one of the bad motorcycle guys drops a knife in the car so you know it's going to be used yeah uh, i think the daughter of the president hands it to someone or hands it to the daughter and then the daughter throws it the knife the open knife flies through the air, top over bottom. Nick Cage catches it oh, yeah. and stabs the bad guy and kills him. But then it pulls out and it's a movie. So like, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you're supposed right. to believe it's exactly how it happened, but in the movie, that's how it happened. Right. In the movie movie, that's how it happened. So anyway, but it's a big premiere. Demi Moore plays the wife, right. the ex-wife. And so everyone's clapping. It's a huge thing. Uh, Javi comes in later and Nick's like, you didn't watch the movie? He's like, no, I was too nervous. Um, but they have a big career, obviously. They're like, Javi's going to be a Hollywood writer now and make movies. And Nick Cage's career is revitalized because this was such a great action movie and he's back now. Um, he's mended things with his family family it's up in the air whether or not they're going to get back together but like they're having a movie night but they're having a movie night and and he's watching a movie that she picked which is yeah. paddington 2 which he had watched earlier yeah because javi's like it's the second best movie ever made yeah he they, yeah. that was funny he javi says what are your t- or nick cage says come on what's your three favorite movies and the number one is it was con a, was it face off or con air face off or con air yeah. and then and then nick cage says dr Caligari, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And then Pedro Pascal says something else, but then he's like, Paddington too and Nick Cage can't believe it. And it's funny because you know the writer's taking this from the real world because everyone has this conversation. I still haven't seen it. I know it's crazy, but people are telling me Brad loves Paddington is always telling me, but that's the thing. People tell you how great it is and you go, Paddington or Paddington 2 like what so this is totally pulled from real life yeah and then they're watching it and they're both crying yeah and they're having a great time and Nick Cage is like you're absolutely right this is one of the greatest <laughs> movies ever made and so yeah that's what the daughter picks for movie night and Nick Cage is like yeah definitely yeah <laughs> um, and, and it was kind of cute and the daughter's like the family's having a good time the daughter's like are you hitting on mom <laughs> it's a cute ending yeah. and and it kind of like even though it's a fictional version of nick cage he gets to kind of mend the things that probably really happened in his real life with his kids and feeling a little more distant and and you know it gives him kind of that fairy tale ending with his career being back but in real life with these movies like we mentioned yeah. the, the good little indie or art house hits like he is back and so it's nice the way that it all fits together. It's a dangerous tactic for an actor to take, you know, but it does kind of 
you know, sometimes work in that old, like, how can we miss you if you won't go away? Yeah. And I think that he didn't fully go away because he, it, when they keep, that's a running gag in the movie, like, oh, we're back, baby. And he's like, not that we ever went anywhere. No, right. Yeah. And, but, so he never stopped working, but he wasn't in, he hasn't been in movies that have been as high profile. So for a lot of people, he kind of did go away. Yeah. And it's it's good reminder of like, hey, Nick Nick Cage has been a lot of movies that you really liked. Yeah. Don't forget that. And and ironically, that kind of break of taking a bunch of roles for money because he needed the work, you might have ended up serving him pretty well in the long term. Like, yeah, it, it's position, it's repositioned him for a, a comeback nicely. And it's an interesting situation where he's not rusty because while it's a comeback for. For a lot of people, a lot of the general public, he he never stopped doing it, no. so he's still good at it. You know? And and the thing is, Nick Cage really never changed, right? It's more that the audience changed. Yeah. Like he was big in doing these ridiculous roles for a long, long time. Like I mean, at the height of, I mean, when he was doing, yeah, like leaving Las Vegas, he won an Oscar for right. right? And so and and uh, raising Arizona from the eighties. Like I mean, obviously he's been around. He's been in great roles, but then not too long after some of these when he was doing Gone in 60 Seconds and some of these other really popular movies like when I was growing up he was doing ones like Knowing and like the one with the bees right the bees or whatever like those clips would go around and it's like Nicolas Cage has been doing that big overacting right thing for a long time and I think audiences after a while started to be like okay like this is a little much right you know and we, we love him for Face Off we love him for Con Air for all that type of stuff but I think audiences started wanting different things from their movies. And right. so Nick Cage was still delivering what people were demanding in the early nineties, but things shift, right? It's just yeah. like, we see a change in the landscape. Look at movies right now. I mean, we all know that like theaters and big movies are superhero movies and act fast and furious and action movies where not that long ago, the popular movies were drama movies that right. were making a hundred million dollars. So audiences change and Nick Cage went away for a while as like opening a movie, a big movie because audiences weren't looking for that but then people like my age that were growing up with nick cage became filmmakers right and they said we love nick cage and we grew up with this stuff we need to write roles that will really work to his i, I mean style ironically given that it was his his co-star in, in face off but like that's the john travolta trajectory right like yeah. it's like you know he was a huge movie star and then couldn't get work or was making some a lot of very substandard films and then a young filmmaker who grew up with him was like no 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 i like he moneyballed it right yeah. he's like oh i remember no there's a there's a really good actor slash movie star inside of john travolta and america has forgotten it right and i'm going to put him in my movie and it it rejuvenated his career yeah exactly so uh nicholas cage also we didn't mention it but he did a movie that was like a love a lovecraft movie i can't i don't know if you've ever seen it it's called like a color color out of space mm. okay it's really cool it's this lovecraft horror movie uh and it's really weird it was right around the time of mandy so this guy was just like firing on all cylinders he yeah. kept putting out these really good art house movies but go see that it's a really weird you know because it's lovecraft Right. You know, so there's weird stuff going on, but he's really good in that one. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Nick Cage is back. It's really nice to have him back. And I think this movie was a really loving tribute where I never felt like it was getting mean. Right. You know, it was never poking fun at him, like no. we said. And he got to explore some of his real life career and family things. And, you know, it all ends on a happy ending for them. And I think that's 
like real life. Like he's yeah. back and he's making movies. It'll and, be interesting to see what this does for his career because it's not necessarily going to be a huge box office hit, but mm-hmm. I feel like it could be his Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. In the way that Robert Downey Jr. made Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which if you have not seen, you should oh, yeah. stop what you're doing and go see because it's amazing. Yeah. But it was not a big hit. But it reintroduced him to Hollywood, right. and it's what led to him getting Iron Man. Right. And they were like, oh, he can still do this. Okay, we can trust him with this movie. And I, I wonder if it will have the same impact for for Nicolas Cage in terms of what he does next. Yeah, I bet it will because yeah. this this movie is one of the bigger movies, right? So all those other ones we mentioned, like yeah. we know them running in film circles and people right. talking about them, but the way they advertised this movie and why they changed the title and made sure people would remember it and everything, like this is advertised as, right. as a big movie. Totally. So I think this is more of a general audience movie. Not, I'm not trying to be snobby. I'm not no, saying it, they it, can't watch the other ones, but this yeah. was advertised like a up there with all the other big you know like a fast and furious movie mm-hmm. right you know go see massive talent it's right you know for for everyone can go see this and enjoy it and laugh and all that so i think that you're going to get more people seeing this that haven't seen those other little ones yeah and it's going to make them go back and ask well, what is pig what is mandy what yeah. is chainsaw right what is willie's wonderland yeah and uh this is going to open their eyes to all those other things and i think it's going to Help them get more roles, and I think it will do really well when it hits streaming. Yeah, I think you know, and that that window is so narrow now, which I think does benefit these movies because yeah. now when it's in streaming, it's only been six weeks since it was in theaters, right. and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, let's try this, which so. is perfect for the landscape today. I, yeah, the thing is, I you know, Moon Knight just did the penultimate episode. I know it's kind of switching gears, but there's six episodes in Moon Knight. They just posted episode five. I didn't watch it the day it aired. People were already posting about it because they have to the second it comes out. Right. You know, and I'm like, come on, get out of here. Like, I haven't even watched it yet. And then I just watched it yesterday, which is two days after it aired, and I realized no one's talking about this anymore. Yeah. It was everywhere the second it posted. Right. And it got me thinking, like, but that's how things move, right? Like, even if you really love something and it's crazy and you talk about it, even a couple of days later... You're, you're on to the next thing people don't spend time with the pop culture things they love in the same way anymore right. like when you were when i was growing up star wars i mean you just immersed yourself in star yeah. wars for the years in between like played you would, games and made up stories yeah, and, and, was, and you'd, you'd had the toys and you and you signed up for the the newsletter bantha tracks yeah. like you did all that and and ghostbusters back to the future right and now it's like you see it you're like i enjoyed that what's next exactly it's like we're it's we're the beast that can't be fed yeah, yeah. so i noticed that going on a lot and then when you see that now it's 45 days or six weeks in theaters that is plenty of time for anyone that wants to go see it yeah i think i personally think a month is enough time i'm not saying you have to pull it from theaters but i mean exclusivity right if you want to see something in theaters a month is a really long time okay so 45 days fine give it a little extra exclusivity but uh, two months later people today in general are not talking about the thing that came out two months ago they're not they're no. unless it's like i'm ready to own it uh, right. you know, get it on video but if you wait any longer people are just like they forget there's 20 other things that, I think their you know. concern though from the theater standpoint is that if the window's that short now it becomes well why bother to spend $15 to go buy a movie ticket when I can just buy it when it comes out you're right there's a balance yeah. but but on the other hand we saw our people ever going to go to like right. are, are they in the first place going to go right so you got to totally. balance it yeah with, it's 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 a brave new world and they're still yeah. figuring it out 
for sure. Yeah. But yeah. this this is fun. It I like overall. I liked it. I just wish it was a little funnier. I, so. Please give me another movie with those two, though. I yeah. think that don't. I mean, their chemistry together. They were I great. thought was really good. Yeah. The the buddy stuff was my favorite, and please, it just reminded me of how fun one of those a, a good road movie can yeah. be with two people with chemistry. So. Road to Morocco. Yeah, it's exactly. my favorite of all the road movies. I please just it's and, dad joke after dad joke after dad joke, but they're so good. Don't you? Think, and it's and they know it. They just the way they wink at you. Yeah. So and it uh, it goes on sale on Voodoo a lot. I think last week it was on sale for like five bucks it yeah. might still be five bucks road to morocco i think they did a probably sale on youtube for free <laughs> like honestly i think they did a sale with all the road movies where they were they were like five bucks recently i remember like i was scrolling yeah all but one because uh, i believe it's road to bali which was from like 1952 there's yeah. this big gap between the last road movie and the and 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 uh they did one maybe it's even later than that maybe it's like 59 but it was like it's but it's on for some reason it's with a different studio oh, okay. and so it doesn't get bundled in because because it was all the movies were called road Two. like sure. if you as long as you hired hope and crosby right. like you could you could say that. you could call it road yeah. Two. like you kids not like james bond and yeah it wasn't like never mcu play, and they never played the same characters yeah they you know it wasn't the same characters from movie to movie right. they were always different different roles and so anyone could call a movie road to like yeah. you really couldn't you can't stop own it. that right. well and that's what i think with this one i don't i don't necessarily need them in a sequel i'm like right. let you them be buddies on a trip and totally. let them keep reprising just like the you the know open crosby yeah. yeah so anyway i guess that's it for this one let's uh, go around the table and everyone can say where to find them <laughs> hi this is kevin you can follow me on twitter at kevin r bracket and for the gamers out there uh, i'm a part of a new podcast called the games we love so make sure to subscribe to that we're talking about new games but we're also talking about some retro games and uh, just overall our love for video games so uh, don't worry about it even if you don't play games on the regular there's still discussion about like last week we talked about super mario 64 which is like 20 something years old now right yeah. so like it's old it's it's getting to be called retro which is like the stuff i grew up with so it's a weird feeling i'm starting Welcome to getting old i know i'm starting yeah. to get into that where it's like oh my gosh the stuff i played as a kid is retro i'm not <laughs> retro yeah. it's so, gonna get better it's gonna get worse before it yeah. gets better and it's not gonna get better oh boy yeah. but listen to that it's a lot of fun uh a friend of our show brad hyan is one of the regular guests on there so you can get more of that we don't have any rules or anything established we may have to depending on how he gets so totally you know yeah. how he can yeah. be you gotta watch him so. <laughs> and uh you can find me on twitter at roger kubert or on facebook at facebook.com slash tom o'keefe find the show online facebook.com slash real spoilers while you're there like the page join the group and don't forget our patreon and uh, next week i guess that's a pretty obvious one we'll be talking tackling dr strange and the multiverse of madness so until you think so i mean joe's not here we could probably pick something else okay let's we'll see if we can find a good musical <laughs> so that's it for this one thanks for tuning in and until next time lester and lottie kidnap maxine get ready for a spoiler won't say it twice because we already warned you Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.